Now, Dad, this is a very sensitive subject. This is Rotten Rewind, a podcast that looks back on the most critically maligned films on the review aggregate site, RottenTomatoes.com, to give them a shot of redemption. If a movie fails to score above the 60% threshold that Rotten Tomatoes deems fresh, we get to talk about it right here. And I'm Max Rue. Yeah, and I'm Courtney Peranto. Today, we're kicking off a three-week miniseries celebrating the Rotten Cannon as some of this year's Oscar nominees. This week, we're talking about two of the biggest movie stars on the planet, both nominated for Best Actor this year. First up, it's two-time Academy Award-winning actor and three-time Rotten Rewind MVP. I can't believe he's only won two. Denzel Washington and Dan Gilroy. Roman J. Israel, followed by future Oscar winner Will Smith and director Ang Lee, Ang Lee his latest four-way into 120 frames per second. Gemini Man. I think future Oscar winner. I think it would be pretty... You think he's going to win this year? I, it seems. It fucking seems like it. He seems to be the front runner, and he won at SAG. Oh, yeah. he did? Oh. Okay. Yeah, I can't... I feel like he's there just... He has a good narrative behind him. I guess there could be like a surprise with like Andrew Garfield or Benedict Cumberbatch. But I was um, thinking maybe they would just like give it to Cumberbatch. Or but haven't should... they already given it to him? No, he's for never. What? No, I think he was only oh! nominated for the Imitation Game. For some reason, I just assumed that he had more nominations. <laughs> he seems because I think with British actors, you just assume they've been nominated like three times already. I mean, Eddie Redmayne already won, which is just crazy. Oh, but <laughs> he won twice, didn't he? <laughs> No, he didn't win for the Danish girl. Oh, thank you. Okay. Yeah, he's gone. He's now the one that I really don't like. Like Benedict Cumberbatch, I really was not a fan of until Power of the Dog. But then okay. Eddie Redmayne, I'm yet to see anything with him where I'm like, oh, yeah, Eddie Redmayne was really good in that. We should introduce who else is here, though. A podcast favorite, the very talented writer, comedian, and critic, Jordan Searles. Thank you. For coming back thank you for inviting me and like oh man looking at this best picture lineup it's it's so weird nightmare alley don't like it don't look up don't like it belfast don't like it king richard it's fine uh king richard's the <laughs> only one i haven't seen i don't know I why i forgot to watch it when it was on hbo max and i just like haven't wanted to go to a theater to see it even though like i'm sure it's fine like i'm sure it's like a good solid it's crowd like i know what it's fine. gonna be which is why yeah. i'm like i don't care i know when you saw it you posted on instagram that drive my car is your favorite movie of the year Does, is that still true it's not gonna win right it can't win and yeah it's still true and yeah it's definitely not gonna win like there's just okay, no yeah. way also dune is nominated i don't i, don't I didn't like, like licorice pizza oh yeah i mean i know no, I like Nightmare Alley weirdly. <laughs> Licorice Pizza, it has like a giant chain tied around it that like it's just it's just such an exhausting the discourse and like thank the God dis- that you're not part of it. But the discourse around Licorice Pizza was really terrible. Get involved um, in the discourse, Courtney. Jump online. <laughs> I liked things about it, but like I was like at the end of the day, like I like enough irked me about the movie that I was like, eh. I mean, like I know he's like a very capable director. And it's like, it's always fun to watch beautiful people run to great songs. But like at the, at like the end of the day, I was like, I don't know if I really like this very much. My thing is, is that both Almost Famous and Dazed and Confused already 
exist. And licorice pizza just seems like it wants to be a combination of those. I think it's like with all of his last few movies, like I, I definitely understand more than ever. Like if somebody's like, like I feel like the master to now, like I'm just like, if somebody's like, it's not for me or I didn't dig it, I would like, I totally understand that. Like I love all of them, but like I totally get why somebody would not like a lot of his newer stuff. I don't know. Licorice pizza, I feel like also like, I feel like all the his latest movies like just kind of benefit from rewatches where there's like kind of yeah. this underlying melancholy that's like a little more interesting when you watch it a second time but it's definitely really like shaggy and loose and definitely yeah. and shorter and yeah has a pretty has two pretty big uh controversial elements to it that i understand yeah. the uh yeah that like it's like it's one of those things where it's like it's my least favorite of his movies i'm more angry about the uncritical way that people engage with it than really anything else because like there was the the situation of about the the asian stereotyping that i felt like people were very mean to Asian people about on Twitter about and I really did not like it and some of my friends messaged me and was just like am I crazy what's going on this is like no people are being insane to you right now and I don't really understand what's going on my thing about the age gap is that I'm not a really an age gap discourse gal like whenever anybody brings it up I'm just like please I'd rather talk about anything else right I don't understand though why he couldn't have been 17 no I think that was the big thing I was like this is so easily solvable like just make yeah. her a little younger or him a little older. Yeah. Like there's, it's just so weird that we had. I, to I think that years. he needs to be a little younger because he needs to be coming out of like the cute phase of being like a bankable child actor, and for them to go on that weird trip together, which is like one of the. I liked the first act of the movie. I just I didn't dislike the movie, but when anyone is like, you know what, I haven't seen that I really want to see, and it's Licorice Pizza. There's like a couple other movies that I'm like, you should see this instead. I haven't seen as many movies as you two because I don't know. I don't go to the movies as much but like worst person in the world and uh i am your man one of my two favorite movies of last year but if I'm you want your to man feel is so fun i love i am your man i still gotta yeah, see I, that one yeah, i was I surprised that it wasn't nominated for like anything and i do really like drive my car a lot it's like really meditative i saw it at this strange theater out here called studio one that's like my dad's house it's like they just bought like tons of wayfair couches i think and stuck them in rooms it's a really bizarre theater um and it was a weird movie to see there because it's like so fucking long and my date fell asleep yeah. but I watched I think the worst uh, movie that, that like contains like a nominee being the Ricardos is like surprisingly bad it oh that's an awful that's an one evil of movie the, I, it's yeah it's evil terrible I watched I'm so it. I can't believe I watched I watched it because I was like oh I'll watch like I, I don't know one day I was just like depressed and I was like I'm just gonna watch the movies I haven't seen that are nominated right. and I watched being the Ricardos Belfast and tick tick boom knowing all three of them i was like there's no way i'm gonna like any of these movies oh and my god what a terrible day it was fucked you. up tick tick boom was the best one of the three which mm. is crazy because i hate Lynn oh, Miranda. Absolutely. <laughs> but i was like honestly this is like fine honestly compared to what i just witnessed like this is fine but being the ricardos i feel like is like it's evil it, I it's like it fine, someone. but like an hour and a half of it, I was like, you know what? I You can like accept it as like, this just isn't for me. And this is just bad. Like, it's just like not good. But like, but why do they have to have like the frame narrative where actors play the actors as if they're being interviewed for TCM? 
Oh, I don't know. That was awful. I grew up watching I Love Lucy and like, I'm like a, I'm going to be old. I'm old soon. And I watched it with someone slightly younger than me. And they were like, oh, that's who that is. And I was like, no, I'm pretty sure that person's dead now. I, yeah, kind of I think they're all dead. Them. Yeah, that's why they're I was all like, what dead is happening? Now. So I was like, like, what, what the fuck is up with this fucking stupid frame narrative? It's kind of like a trash lie. Like you might as well just have a deep fake Lucille Ball then. Yeah. The whole time watching, I was just like, this guy is such a fucking snitch loser. All I could think by the end of the movie is I was like, if Sorkin was alive like during that like during that time like he definitely would have named names like he definitely oh, yeah. would have been a snitch like absolutely it's so- the, the, the whole like framing device thing was so weird because like when I think about a movie that does that I think about fucking Reds and Reds has a reason for Wait, doing what is it? All that oh Reds. I've never seen Reds I for some reason I thought you were talking about the Bruce Willis action movie Red and I was no. like why does Red Retired do that and dangerous? Yeah, I, I was like I why would Red do that good night and good luck <laughs> Good night and good luck does it, but it does it well and honestly. Yeah. Where it's like it yeah. takes like a slice of time. Cause like also that movie was marketed being like, oh, this is like the worst week in their marriage. But it's like, no, it's a fucking ton of flashbacks. Again, like I was like whatever about it. I was like, honestly, this is not as bad as I thought it was gonna be for like an hour and a half. But as soon as he's like rewrites history at the end again, like Chicago Seven, where he has J. Edgar Hoover be the hero that intervenes, I was like, Oh, this is evil. This is like a really yeah. evil movie. This is I, awful. I kind of hated it. <laughs> On site. Yeah. Oh, it's bad. I mean, it also yeah. just like looks okay. like a TV movie because he's a horrible director. Why is Javier Bardem nominated? I know. Over he's like so, so many other bad actors. bad in it. He's bad in it. Nicole Kidman is bad in it. Yeah. What's her name? Like Nina Ariana was, was the only person I really one, liked. Same. Yeah. Same. That's like, I what she I was said. Good. And then people were just like, well, I feel like everybody did a good impression. It's like, and I was like, an impression is different than a performance. performance like, yeah. it does not matter. I'm like, surprised Kidman was nominated. Like, I mean, I can't believe any of them were fucking nominated. Me either. I do love that Sorkin like, was the one that got snubbed, though. Yeah. <laughs> that was the funniest part. Is I was like, honestly, like, at least they didn't nominate Sorkin. <laughs> it's a terrifying movie. It's But it it's is. not nominated for Best Picture, so that's good. Thank God. Coda is, though, and I haven't watched that. Have y'all seen Coda? No. Coda's fine. I put it, that was another one I watched kind of late because I was like, all right, I'll watch Coda. Another one that I was like, I kind of know what this is going to be. It's such a like middle of the road, like Sundance crowd pleaser that like, it's hard to like dislike it. Like I can't imagine being like, fuck Coda. Troy Kotzer, that guy, the actor in it who's winning and everything is really good. Um, yeah, like, I'm, I'm happy for him. Yeah, he's he's really fucking good in it. It looks like shit. Like it just like doesn't look good. Like you look at it and you're just like, oh, nobody like thought about how to like this movie or put any thought into that. It's totally harmless. Like I, you won't be mad that you watched it. It's yeah. better than fucking Don't Look Up and and Dune and Belfast. And, oh man, um, Don't Look Up. How was the tragedy of Macbeth? Speak if we're going to bring it back around to our boy. That's right. We got to bring it back around. Well, I, I'm honestly curious because I, I, I thought very... it, I thought it was just like Diet Orson Welles. Like I just wasn't Ooh. down. Oh. I don't I, want Diet Orson Welles. I want Orson Welles on the, <laughs> I like him on the fucking wine commercial. Do you, do you like Shakespeare? Sure. It's like unfiltered. It, it's like one of those things where when I watched it, I was like, I know this story. So like, I understand what's happening well enough to like get it. But like, it was otherwise like watching like a foreign movie with no subtitles for me. Like I was just like, there were stretches where I was like, I, I don't know what they're saying, but like, it looks really nice, but it was like hard for me to engage with because I had such a hard time adjusting to some of the language in some scenes. But like, mm-hmm. I mean, he's fucking great. I, I unfortunately know. was with a Shakespeare nerd for five oh, years. No. So it was very, very easy for me to understand. <laughs> and you went in well prepped. 
And in general, I would just say watch the Wells version because this is just a Cohen trying to do Orson Welles. It's really obvious to mm-hmm. me. And the only people that I think are good in it are Macbeth, Macduff, Macduff's wife, Macduff's kid. And it's it's interesting that all the people that I just named are Black. In my opinion, most of the white people kind of suck. Oh, except for... Um, Catherine Hunter the, fucking the, rules. Cat, yes, the one who plays the three, she was the my woman who plays part. all three. Yeah, witches. I wanted yeah. more of that energy. I was like, give me more of whatever is happening with this woman. She's she, fucking rad. She's giving the Wells. Like, I think that she, the Wells energy, it's coming straight from her. Yeah. she's Yeah, so she's great. Um, Corey Hawkins, Denzel Washington, mm. he's killing it in that movie. I mean, he's probably my favorite performance out of the five people nominated. I haven't seen Will Smith yet, though, in King Richard. Mm-hmm. But do you uh, kind of want Will Smith to win because he hasn't yet? I think Will Smith should have won for Ali, but fuck it. Yeah, I, I think that well, I think it's time to give Will Smith something, especially just because like the press cycle for him the past two years <laughs> has been a fucking shit storm. I don't know what's going on. Like when I watched that red the red table talk episode where like they talk Jada about their marriage, is, mm-hmm. where they talk about their marriage and they talk about the affair <laughs> that she had with the younger man who was like living on their property I think and like <laughs> it was just like a whole fucking thing where she was just like talking about how like how needy she was and like how she understood that she did so and I love that when she called herself needy he just like sat there just like mm. it was fucking rough I think Will Smith is is a really fucking great actor when he's on like he's fucking great and like kind of like a career award it's like give him this award so maybe he'll stop Make doing some, yeah that's what that's how i bullshit. feel <laughs> it's like there are certain people that won an oscar so badly that they're kind of like stuck in this cycle of trying to get yeah, one we're like, like losing their good years i just want us to give him one so he can like make something we fun. don't need bright too. let him do something better let him yeah. get rid of this weird goatee he has right whatever yeah. is happening in his midlife crisis we need to fix this so give him an award <laughs> yeah because like Den- denzel is secure Voluntary manslaughter. It's a good deal. It's an enema of sunshine. Sorry for taking a nanosecond off of your assembly line rubber stamp existence. Hello? He was refused use of the bathroom. That's violation of civil rights. We can address this at trial. I would like to address it now. I'm just saying we have... Finding contempt. This law firm has run a deficit for years. You're firing me? I'm tired of doing the impossible for the ungrateful. Take care of yourself. I am... I don't know where CJ's hold up. What's that worth? A lot. Everything we discuss will be confidential. The man who did it, I know where he is. I want the reward, cash. Well, what do you think? When can I move in? I just heard something about you from a solid source. You knew where I was. God! I got you anytime I want. God! These are dangerous people. You don't just walk away from this. I can finish this. Each one of us is greater than the worst thing we've ever done. Let's talk about a movie that was not nominated for Best Picture, but did get Denzel his fucking eighth nomination. 
In his eighth Academy Award-nominated performance, Denzel Washington plays the titular Roman J. Israel Esquire, a Los Angeles-based attorney who stays behind the scenes of his two-man law firm, where he focuses more extensively on the client's civil rights. His partner, William Jackson, handles the courtroom appearances because Roman J. Israel is uh, not cut out for the courtroom, apparently. When William, his partner, suffers uh, from a stroke that leaves him in a vegetative state, the law firm goes under and Israel reluctantly takes a job at one of William's law school protégés, high-end law firms. And that's played by... Colin Farrell. I love Colin Farrell. He is, he almost said fuck it on the American accent for this one. Whoa, take it easy, sweetheart. He really rides. I did not know he lot. was in this, and I was just like gleeful when I saw him. He's great. This was like a big year for him. This was uh, the year of the beguiled and killing of a sacred deer. He, he, this was him kind of in his he's, in his renaissance. He was killing it. Love. Yeah, that was a big year for him. He should have fucking been nominated for at least. Beguiled or Killing of a Sacred. Yeah. He's so funny in The Beguiled. He's so funny. <laughs> he's so fucking funny. When he's flirting with Kirsten Dunst and he's like, I think I love you. <laughs> Israel, being somewhat of a savant, clashes with the firm and ends up botching an important case, inadvertently getting their young client, Darrell, killed before he could testify against his accomplice in a robbery turned homicide. Everything Israel experiences confirms what he's always known. The system is rigged and working just as it's been designed to. After getting mugged, though, Israel says, fuck this, and illegally claims the 100000 reward that leads to the arrest and capture of Darrell's accomplice. Israel then indulges in the so-called fruits of capitalism by buying suits, taking a local activist named Maya, played by Carmen Carmen Yogo, I believe. I don't know how to say um, it. Out for fancy dinners that she does not want and signing the lease on a high-rise condo. He also goes to the beach in one of my favorite scenes. I, it's like very understandable. It's like somebody who spent their whole life devoted to something, a cause that has really given them nothing in return. And finally has a chance to have some fucking money. And it's like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm going to fucking, I'm going to fucking have some Well, fun. it's also, it's not like he like has a chance to and takes it. It's like, he's also like, I feel like kind of backed into like, because his boss has a heart attack you know what i mean like everything yeah. could have kept chugging along and he would yeah. have kept chugging along too i think that like it is about when someone is like forced to change i think that like oftentimes those narratives are narratives about how like you know you get fired from your job and it's like so this is like the rom-com scenario and then like you become a better person or that asshole breaks up with you and then you like become a better person but this right. is like almost the inverted version of that where it's like this person was a good person and like is, by all means they yeah. still are like he's not changed in some ways, you know, even though like his actions change. Right. Yeah. No, 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 for sure. And and we should also mention this movie is a 54% Rotten Tomatoes. A movie that I think kind of just disappeared when it came out. It kind of got dropped into the like kind of like middle of award season in 2017 by Sony. I think they tried to do a platform release with it and then didn't really go anywhere. Audiences didn't really care for it. Critics didn't care for it. And then Denzel being Denzel still came out on top and got nominated for a movie that most people didn't see and didn't really like apparently. But I think for this week, both these movies have kind of developed, I think, a bigger following in the years since on apps like Letterboxd and like I think in general on social media. And Jordan, you're you're a self-professed Roman J. Israel fan. I am. I watched it when I was working on a piece for OK Player about mm -hmm. the last decade of Black movies and the way that Black movies get 
there was a time when they were that they when they were nominated a little bit in the 90s and then they weren't nominated at all really in the 2000s and then kind of how the switch happened with Precious and the Help two movies oh. that I hate and so then I so I was just like watching all of the black movies that I had missed and I got to Roman J Israel and it was one of the few for me that was dealing directly with something that I think is something that could really change a conversation. Like it was dealing with ideas and concepts that not a lot of movies are about anymore. It feels like a movie that I feel like both these movies this week too also feel like movies that would have just crushed in the 90s. Like I feel like if Roman J. Israel comes out as an awards movie in 1997, it fucking does really well. Oh, like I, oh absolutely. You think so? I think it does. Well, because I think- it's, it is peculiar though. Like I understand it's rotten rating and like I walked into this movie ha- knowing nothing about it and something that I assumed by like the pace and just like tone of the movie is I assumed that this movie was based on a real person. Mm. And I don't, I just assume. And then I, after I watched it, I Googled like the real <laughs> Roman J. Israel. <laughs> Who Esquire, is Roman J. Israel? And it was just like, bitch, no. It doesn't feel disingenuous, but it feels like we're like getting to a, like, I, yeah, it felt like Aaron Brockovich or something where it just felt like we were working towards this obvious ending that maybe the audiences knew, but I didn't. So I saw this when it first came out and I did not like it. I really was you not did. into it when this I first saw it. Time with it. I didn't like it. I didn't even think Denzel was that great when I first saw it. I don't know what it was about it that just didn't click for me. And then watching it this time, it was so much better. I think I just had a much better, I don't know. Sometimes you see something and you're either just like not in the right mood for it. You watch it again and you're like, oh, this is like a totally different movie. Like you're just getting something so different out of it. I still have issues with the third act of this movie, but I think the first hour at least is actually really fucking fantastic. And I think even like, Dan Gilroy, who wrote and directed it. It's his follow-up to Nightcrawler. It's just like the way that he's able to build character through their behavior in the first hour for both Colin Farrell and Denzel's characters is really fucking interesting. So it, yeah, it became something where I totally understood like both sides of it. Where I was like, I get if you're not really into this and I get if you really like this. For me, like, I think it was the scene in the classroom that really yeah. crystallized oh, yeah. it for me because it made me realize, you know, that this was like one of the few I'm always really fascinated with movies that interrogate blackness in a way that really doesn't have anything to do with white people. So like, just like in terms of just like the difference between like a more conservative black person to a more liberal black person or what a more liberal black person was like then between now and watching Roman as a civil rights attorney, as a person who is still holding on to the Afro, as as a person who is like, doesn't really want to be corporate and talking to these black women and believing that you know that he is in solidarity with them and feeling like he is trying to do right by them and they in the aftermath of movements especially like in the aftermath of like the black panthers movement a lot of issues within the black panthers had to do with the fact that men wanted to take over and didn't really like the idea of women being in leadership positions Mm -hmm. and there was like so much like gendered conflict to that and so it's like he's having a conversation with people who have read the writing of those women and have come to this point where it's just like, we know men and they're going to try to control everything. And so here he comes just 
trying to be like an old fashioned revolutionary guy, they see it to be disingenuous. It's not. But where they're coming from, it makes sense that they feel that way. It's a thing where it's like he has been so cut off that he doesn't know where where the conversation has progressed and where it hasn't. And I find that to be really fascinating because like he's right about most of what he says. He just doesn't really know how to say it. Right. And he doesn't really know how to be savvy. And I think that that is an issue with like actually like a lot of older black people who are trying to stay current in the movement, but haven't fully like expanded their worldview. Because when it comes to social injustice and judicial indifference and institutional racism and outright goddamn greed, the overwhelming majority of the people in this country just don't give a damn civil or uncivil disobedience. The First Amendment to protect your right to freedom of speech as long as you don't incite violence or or law breaking. And there are going to be people that get caught up in the march. They're going to vandalize. They're going to... I'm sorry, excuse me. I see two sisters standing. Why are the sisters standing and the brothers sitting? We want to sit. We can ask. Well, you ladies got to speak up for yourselves. Say 40 years ago. There's no statute of limitations on uh, chivalry. That's gendered and sexist. And polite. And patronizing. And polite. Colin Farrell describes him, like, when he decides that he's going to, like, hire him, he describes him as, like, some sort of savant. Along with him having, like, an out-of-date, like, OS system, like, he's on the spectrum, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think it's, I think that's something that, like, the first time I was kind of thrown off by in his performance, where I was like, oh, because Denzel's such a fucking... Just effortlessly. Yeah, I think that's like it's peculiar to watch him be not. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, there's like one scene where it cuts to him and he just looks so goofy. It's like really sweet, but he's just like he looks like a goofball in most of this movie. Okay, is this the least fuckable Denzel performance? That's the big question for this episode: Is Roman J. Israeli pussy? (laughs) 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 That was what was on Dan Gilroy's mind. Does Roman eat pussy? There has to be another unfuckable Denzel performance. Name it. I'm just saying name it because like I think that like that's why I mean I liked his performance a lot but it took me longer to settle into it because it feels like he's actually like trying to like stretch a little bit and play like an entirely different kind of character. I mean I think he's doing a lot of heavy lifting in this movie at times but Denzel's also probably a guy who's used to running the show. I think it's almost like what Sandler does sometimes with his movies where he ends up directing a lot of it. I think okay. if, when Denzel works with somebody, you know, like this, or like, I'm assuming for like Macbeth, he just kind of like gave the reins to to Joel Cohen. Maybe it's difficult for him to not have as much control over what he's doing with his performance. And especially for a performance like this, like that's a lot of trust to put into a guy who it's his second movie and and, and for a guy like Denzel to play this character. Jordan, like I think that scene, that's like a key part of the movie. And I think that's kind of, I think the section of the movie that works the best for me. Mm-hmm. Like my favorite scene of his in his performance is when he first goes to that activist network when he goes to meet with uh, Carmen Yogo's character yeah, and his whole interview when he's basically telling her like I don't have anywhere else to go what am I supposed to do I'm a 60 year old man who's been making what $500 a week at a fucking law firm where I was behind the scenes my partner is in the hospital like what is a guy like that supposed to do 
everything that he conveys in that scene is so fucking vulnerable and just heartbreaking. And the way that he kind of subtly wipes his eyes and he's trying to kind of hide himself from her in that scene is so fucking interesting. It's just amazing the range that Denzel can have. That he's having to like beg and also brag at the same moment. Like he has to like lose his credentials as if like he is an employable person. But there is something about it that comes across pleading, even though it's supposed to be bravado. And I mean, like, I like this movie. I mostly like this movie. You don't, we don't see movies like this because I think that like we are so used to bullshit, like being the Ricardos, which is telegraphed for us before the credits even start. That like this movie is like not going to be doing any of those things. It's not necessarily that like rewarding or redemptive. Can we spoil what he does? Yeah, I mean, like, so I, I, I was going to say to you, like, I think Dan Gilroy, I think the the issues that I have with the movie at all, and it's interesting that Dan Gilroy wrote this. He's a middle-aged white guy from Santa Monica. And I feel like this and Nightcrawler both feel almost like throwback movies in their own way, like somehow still modern because the subject matter of both those movies is kind of timeless in a way, but both kind of interrogating different sides of a system into very, very specific men and how they navigate those systems. And one of them is very sociopathic about it and kind of operates behind the scenes trying to infiltrate a system. And the other one in this movie where you see somebody who's just so unqualified to navigate the system because he's too pure for it and seeing him just get knocked down by it over and over again as he tries to do the right thing and stand by his belief system. So it's interesting that Dan Gilroy wrote this And I think he sets up so many interesting ideas in the first hour of this that it almost, it almost, it sets up so much that you're just like, yeah, I have no idea where he's going to take this in a way. I think that was like the most interesting part of it for me was just seeing how he navigates that. And then he eventually is worn down by it and does what I think a lot of people would fucking do, which is just say- I have a bunch of donuts. I got to get donuts. Yeah. Do you, does one of you want to talk about what he does when he takes the hundred thousand dollar reward money? He buys new suits. He gets a haircut. He gets like a high rise. He goes for it. He really goes for it. And it's like, and he doesn't have that much money. A hundred thousand dollars is not that much money. He really blows it. (laughs) Yeah. Like it's like, it's like, he's trying to like taste this life that is a lawyer. He's like been told that this is what he's supposed to want. And it's like, he's fine, but it's like clear that he doesn't really need this stuff. (laughs) And he just like wants to make this woman happy. And this woman's just like, I don't know what's up with this guy. Like he's kind (laughs) of weird, but like, yeah, she likes him though. It made me think of like the king of comedy, honestly, where it's just like kind of weird. I know about all this. It's like, yeah, it's truly the opposite. And maybe because this movie's like fresh in mind, it's like the opposite of the Tinder swindler. Like where these women, I'm like, you're not outright saying what you kind of wanted, which was the lifestyle, but you didn't like this guy because this guy is not, there's nothing to him. He's not charming. Like this woman's like (laughs) sincerely drawn to him that I think in like a worse movie would have been drawn kind of differently or unbelievably, but yeah. yeah I think I'm like glad there never was her, anything explicitly romantic about it. Cause that yeah, it's like they were going on little, like dates question mark. Yeah. She's interested in him. And, and I think in that purity and that like, he is like this kind of like relic of something where she's just like, yeah. what is fucking going on with this guy? He, cause he's kind of the real deal as opposed to like a lot of the people that she's maybe had to interact with. Yeah. Um, and like, I mean, I personally love like the way that he like refers to other, like to black women as like sisters. I personally yeah. just like, I just think that it's so cute. I think that there's just like something, something there and just like how emotionally connected he is to the work that he does. And it's not like he's not trying to get like a hashtag trending. He just wants 
wants to help people. And he is rightfully confused as to why other people don't want to. And I think that that's what she's attracted to. She's like, wow, someone with conviction, someone who genuinely believes in like this, like black power solidarity that doesn't exist anymore in most spaces. And I love the the scene where he leaves after he goes to speak in front of everybody and he has that encounter with those two black women. He's walking down the street in, in downtown LA, which is like near the arts district. And he sees that unhoused man who's on the sidewalk who looks like he's dead. Yeah, and that scene's incredible. It's a great scene. And I love like everything about that scene is so fucking unfortunately, especially very timely right now and awful in seeing how most people would deal with that, which is just walking right past that person. Mm-hmm. And I put myself in that category where like, I don't know what I would do if like I walk past someone because you just assume living, especially in Los Angeles and any like major city like that right now, where there's just a horrible, especially right now where it's like you walk past somebody like that every day. And you don't think twice about it. And especially because growing up, you're kind of almost taught to just ignore someone who's unhoused and to not even like acknowledge their existence. And he does. And he sees this man who is quite possibly dead on the sidewalk. Him and Carmen Ayago call the police who come and just make the situation worse as they usually do. And then he puts his business card in the guy's pocket. Or no, this is before it. Like when he still thinks he's dead, he puts the card in his pocket. Because he's like, I want them to be able to contact somebody when they take him to the morgue. So he's not just like an anonymous. Exactly. So he's not just another body that gets like burned and thrown into a pile with a bunch of other people that are just forgotten about. Fucking really sad. And yeah, I just like everything about that scene and and Denzel in that scene is so fucking good. I think the main issue with this film, honestly, is that it really doesn't entirely stick to, I wish it didn't kind of let the plot overtake it. Yeah, it has too much plot in the third act for its own good. It just, it kind of, it just can't stick the landing, but it's, it, it's weird that he, I, I mean, I guess Gilroy's probably kind of an, like an old school screenwriter. I think even the way that he sets up this story feels very like throwback to me, where it feels like a 70s or like character study, but also like a 90s legal, like courtroom thriller. And he Colin sets Farrow's up the character is completely set up to be like just a bad guy. And then you're like, oh, I kind of like him. No, I love what I he appreciate. does with Farrell's character. I yeah, think he, like, that character is really, cool. really interesting. Yeah, he looks like this hot shot and it's Colin Farrell. So like you're automatically like, this guy's probably a scumbag. He's so hot, you guys. <laughs> he's fucking great. I love Colin Farrell. And like, he's so good in this. Like his scene when he first gives Roman a ride, because Roman James was like, I'm going to, you know, walk or whatever. And he's like, come on, let me give you a ride. And they're in the car and, and Colin Farrell, everything that is built about Colin Farrell's character in that scene is so fucking great. You know everything you need to know about him just by the way that he drives through the city. Mm-hmm. And like literally it's just continuously almost running red lights. William Todd at that's where we met. I was uh, top of my class. Potential's a bitch. And I'll tell you what's not is having four officers and 60 people working for you. He picked me because I tossed him work. You know, loser cases I didn't want. I was I was too busy to handle this. Closing his office, it's, it's payback. I'll collect a fee. Look, it just so happens I could use someone with your ability and your power of persuasive argument. And I'll pay you twice what William gave you. What did he say? What makes you different from this car? Whoa! Really? Okay. I'm gonna tell you something I think may both surprise and disappoint you. I got a kickback from William for every single case I gave him. Bullshit. I have the records. It's 
so it, it's so good because like and I just love the fact that he is white and the fact that it was like yeah I had this black professor who like really believed in me yeah but he loves that yeah it's just such an interesting dynamic and I kind of wish that there was like more of that because it's like there's yeah. a reason why this this man who died trusts Colin Farrell so much there's something that he saw in Colin Farrell that maybe yeah. even Colin Farrell didn't really see in himself and it's the same thing as the Carmen Diego character where like he's fascinated by Roman where he sees this purity in him that he's either maybe mm-hmm. envious of that maybe there was like a piece of him still left that wanted to be like that in some way and I, I yeah I think it's a really fucking interesting character like that character works so much better on a second time for me and their dynamic yeah I agree like I wish there was just more of that and less of the thriller plot that kicks in in the last half of it just even seeing him interact because it's also a great like fish out of water story where it's just like throwing this guy into like a fucking major law firm and seeing him interact with the other people that work there that seems incredible when he's when the two lawyers to are, those dudes and yeah. then colin farrell has to like bitch him out for it because yeah, the two there's two attorneys that are like basically making fun of like battered women and yeah. he's like what the fuck which is yeah like super dark and he calls them roaches and that guy's like did you just compare us to roaches i don't know it's like you could have gotten so much mileage out of just that and i think that's the thing is like when you're a good enough writer like dan gilroy like you don't really need all the extra like fat and like plot that he throws on it's a good character yeah. you have denzel like just trust in that once he gets that hundred thousand dollars i mean it's definitely interesting for a minute it's really just the last like half an hour i think because i love the scene once he gets a hundred thousand dollars but then he's also he's like really poorly hiding it yeah like, what, yeah because what is he gonna do he's uncomfortable because like like the girl character she's like giving him on this all this credit and he is like fidgeting in it he can't be in it anymore because he feels guilt and like i like all of those scenes i like seeing like what he thinks that you should do with that money just like the very very end and to bring it back to the has denzel ever been this mm. unfuckable i truly do not think that he has like i think that the only other time where like <laughs> he had too much going on to where he wasn't attractive was like manchurian candidate which which that movie oh cool. yeah but yeah i don't think but that he's he... fuckable in manchurian candidate. you could still fuck him in manchurian candidate yeah but you, but you could still do it it would be kind of dangerous because yeah knows what's he, going you know. on with him. but like the but, character you have to find his handsomeness like in his face sometimes because like the way that he holds this character's resting face is a little goofy on purpose he's also got the yeah. fake teeth i do like the burgundy suit though i think that's a good suit me too Good, he looks a like movie. a professor of African-American yeah. studies. And I'm always going to, I'm always going to love that kind of guy. Cause mm-hmm. it's just, it's just like this, this kind of guy who just has this very like classic energy. And you know that in the seventies, he probably dressed really sharp. I remember watching this law show on TNT a long time ago, like when I was still like a kid called Raising the Bar. And around the time that I watched Raising the Bar, I had wanted to be a lawyer. Watching Whoa. Raising the Bar made me not want to be a lawyer anymore. And here's why. Because so much of the show was, was like public defenders and prosecutors having meetings and organizing plea deals and just being so like clinical about it mm-hmm. and then there'd be like the bleeding heart public defender who's played by Mark Paul Gossler. Oh like my Jack god. Morris. He was the bleeding heart one and he had like the long hair and he had like the he had yeah. the ill-fitting suit like he was the Roman J. Israel of that show <laughs> and he was just like constantly just like I want to fight for these underprivileged people and then like all his other friends that he wants 
went to law school with who got more lucrative positions were just like, I don't know, man, like, why don't you just chill out? And watching that just made me like, no, I can't deal with these people. These people are not seeing heaven. It's so interesting. I have so many issues with the legal system. And I think that that's also why I was writing hard for this movie, because it's just like, it's very rare that a movie's just like, this is fucked up. Like, usually a movie is like, we need to save this one person. And if we save this one person, it means that the system also works but this movie is essentially just like the system is fucked yeah (laughs) and i really identify with that that's the whole thing that's like interesting about this movie too is can you actually fix a system like this within it or do you have to tear it down what happened we just found him i think he's dead all right don't touch anything what did i just say he doesn't have id what did you put in there my card take it out Well, without ID, he'll get cremated and mixed up with a thousand other homeless people. Take it out. Look, it's just my name and number for the coroner that called me. Did you hear my partner? Okay. I want to pay for the burial. I'm not telling you again. And I'm not going to just let him get swallowed up. I'm just not going to let him disappear completely forgotten because he most certainly was somebody. Odie Henderson of RogerEber.com. He said, but don't be fooled. This is not Oscar bait at all. Roman J. Israel is the kind of horrendous hot mess an actor makes directly after he wins the Oscar. Oh. Emily Vanderwerf of Vox said, Roman J. Israel is the most frustrating kind of movie there is. One that almost succeeds and is more disappointing because it doesn't. Jim Morganson of the Wall Street Journal said, Mr. Gilroy's new film doesn't try for lean. When his lawyer hero isn't citing legal precedent, he uses spectacularly florid language that reflects his unusual mental state. But there's a disconnect between what we see and hear and what we're meant to feel. David Sims of The Atlantic. A blank check said one element is consistent throughout Roman J. Israel, the enigmatic lead played with typical dedication and forcefulness by Denzel Washington. But even though he's fully committed to the role, the movie is anything but aimlessly weaving between story ideas like a distracted driver. I definitely think that's what happens in the third act. Like, it just feels like mm-hmm. you're in a car that's just like kind of swerving off the road. And you're just like, where, where are we going right now? <laughs> Adam Neiman of The Ringer said, in Roman J. Israel, Washington acts from underneath bad suits and fake teeth and a comically out of date hairstyle. His typically crisp line readings are thick and halting. He looks and sounds a bit like Forrest Whitaker. <laughs> if Forrest Whitaker played this part, oh, this movie would have been bad. <laughs> no, Forrest Whitaker would have leaned way too into Forrest that Whitaker character. would have brought a insanely it, unplaceable accent. It would have brought a, like, a Cuba Gooding Jr. and radio kind of situation. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. But anyway, he looks and sounds a bit like Forrest Whitaker and maybe also Forrest Gump, except that there's no idiocy in his savant head. Rather, he's playing somebody so brilliant that he can barely pass for normal. It's a very weird performance and it verges at times on giddy embarrassment, which is actually sort of exciting. The movie's main sources of his suspense are whether it's ever going to settle on a genre and if its star is going to fully implode while trying to hold things together. He doesn't, but it's hard to hold it against him. He's doing the best he can under the circumstances. So it seems like everyone thinks that he's pretty good, but like the movie isn't. I don't know any, I'm trying to think of a single movie that Denzel has been in where people were like, you know what? The movie is fine, but Denzel was bad. No, yeah. It's just, that's how people talk about his son. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He truly does not have it whatever it is he doesn't have it i wish denzel would just treat john like 
Clint treats Scott Eastwood. Just act like he doesn't even exist. Oh my God. Scott Eastwood gave his best performance in that in that Amazon Prime rom-com with Charlie I liked Day him in it. I thought he was funny. Yeah, that was that was oh, his he's best been that? performance. Did you watch yeah. it, Bernie? You would like no, it. No, I want to it's totally fine. I really dig Charlie Day in it. I was like, this is a man who should be a romantic lead. And I did he's not great. know he that like he had this energy i mean i know he has the whole like something on sunny with the waitress and everything but like i didn't i've never seen him in a register where he was like talking to women that are actually into him and he's really good at it <laughs> he's great honestly scotty swood's actually good in wrath of man but i love the clint just pretends he doesn't exist fuck him i mean i think the mvp of this movie is denzel i think we all probably it's like a Heavy Colin shout out, I think. Yeah, Colin definitely getting a... Colin doesn't showboat, you know? Like, I love him. Yeah. It's true he doesn't. And I I really do appreciate that about him. He's a guy who, like, they tried to make a leading man. He realized that that's not really his deal. And he has been doing great ever since. Yeah. Yeah. I always love when guys like that are Jude Law. Like, just sort of like, you know what? I'm just going to be a character actor, actually. I think think that I enjoy Colin Farrell a little bit more. Oh, I do too, for sure. Yeah. I think we probably all do, but yeah, I but like I think, Jude Law. I'm not trying to shit on Jude Law. Yeah, but like Jude Law and like Box Lux or like, I don't know, like things like that. I'm like, yeah, I like oh this. I God, like this Jude and- Law. Well, it's also like they're both <laughs> actors that like were kind of, when they first came up, were just Nick known for being like almost like unfairly beautiful and like age has like made Jude Law a little bald and it's made Colin Farrell like a little thicker, which I think he looks great. Like I like the lobster yeah. weight Colin Farrell. I think he looks fucking great. And I think that there's like something about that that like, it's different when you like watch it. I don't know. I love him here. Is there an Oscar nomination for Denzel that you think he didn't deserve? Oh, can you name them? I'm so sorry. So Cry Freedom is his first nomination, which I've never seen. He wins for Glory for Supporting Actor. I've never seen Glory. I've never um, seen either one. So he has a supporting and he has a, a lead. Best yeah. actor. And then okay, that's what I was confused. Yeah. Gotcha. And then the movie that he obviously should have won for, he loses to Pacino and Son of a Woman the year that he plays Malcolm X. <laughs> which I think to this day we know is like a travesty. That's so crazy. Love Pacino. But the hurricane I haven't seen since it came out. I saw it when I was young. He wins for training day, which was controversial, I guess, at the time because it was basically that's like stupid. people thought it was going to either be Russell Crowe for a beautiful mind but that was the year that he beat up that guy with a phone so they were like well a beautiful mind sucks i haven't seen another movie that i'm like i don't remember it you're fine russell crowe should have won for the insider i mean if we're gonna give it to him it should have been for the fucking should have won for the nice guys and the nice guys (laughs) that too yeah he wins for training day phone hitting performance that really acknowledges that energy that he has i think this is probably one i don't even think he's bad and i just hate this movie but denzel and flight I would not have. I've never seen Flight. I mean, he probably deserves it. He's good in Flight. It's just a really goofy movie. And then he's nominated for Fences. And then people thought he could have won that year. He won the SAG against Casey Affleck, but otherwise Casey Affleck swept that year for Manchester. I know Casey Affleck's done, but I finally oh, you hadn't seen Manchester it? by the Sea, and I I haven't seen it. My official uh, note on that is that I guess men deserve their own. Straight men deserve their own soap operas because (laughs) almost every emotional note in that movie is something that I do not understand. It is the most masculine thing ever in the sense that like, I'm just like, what even is going on? That's how I thought about, um, was it, what's the Coen Brothers movie about like the folk performer with like Carrie Mulligan? That was how I felt about this movie. And I was like, I'm supposed to care? 
Listen, as a as a white man with with facial hair and curly hair, who's <laughs> failed quite a bit. It's a good movie, I promise. No. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I just like I don't know. The thing about Manchester by the Sea is just like so wild to me. It's just like, <laughs> dude, you burned all your kids alive. Like, are we kidding? <laughs> it's a really like, big. It's a big gesture. It's, it's like a very mellow, dramatic. I think it's like in the Mystic River school of like big emotions and like I kind of am a sucker for stuff like that. And I like Lonergan a lot, whatever about Casey Affleck as a person aside, I, I think that was like probably one of the better, like best actor winners, like performance wise where I'm like, yeah, that's mm-hmm. a fucking good performance. performance. It's also like subtle. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, I'll give you that. That movie is very strange. So I yeah, just, he's nominated for Fences, Roman J. Israel. And then now this year for Macbeth, which is his 10th nomination. I personally think he should have been nominated. The ones that I think he was nominated for, that I think he should have are Devil in a Blue Dress and Mentoring mm-hmm. Candidate. He's absolutely great yeah. and he's so good a Manchurian candidate oh my god yes he's uh have you seen the Manchurian candidate remake Courtney yeah oh, he's great I, like yeah. the thing is like he's just always good it's kind of like he makes a movie he should probably be nominated he's probably the best living actor at least I, he's he's the fuck yeah I mean we talked about that during the beginning of quarantine I went on a huge Denzel run and just watched yeah right before you everything oh man I, I had a Denzel and a Clint phase and I was yeah just, you did man, you, you the had like fucking best What's your final rating on this? I think it's good. I think it's, I think pretty, it's good. pretty good. I think it's a pretty good movie. Yeah. It's got some problems, but honestly, I'll take movies like this fucking any day over most of the shit we get. I think I know why he's as good as you, Henry. Your DNA and his, identical. My orders are to kill you. You have 12 minutes to run. What the hell is all of this? Now you have 11 minutes. <laughs> I could clone a person. I could have cloned Nelson Mandela. Nelson Mandela couldn't kill a man on a moving train from two kilometers away. I don't want to shoot you! Fine. Mind if I shoot you? You can't beat me. I'm you, only better. I'm the best. You are obviously not the best. your time it's my time now gemini man october 11th rated pg-13 shortly before the pandemic changed all of our lives and the now naive seeming 2019 ang lee with will smith as a star brought to life a script that had been stuck in development purgatory since the late 90s with gemini man in it Smith, his name is Henry, sums himself into an early-ish retirement after nearly sniping an innocent child in the neck instead of the supposed bioterrorist he had his eye on. Breathing a sigh of relief for killing the right unsuspecting person, Henry thinks himself lucky and retires into a boating community where he flirts with the hottie who mans the docks, Danny, played by Mary Elizabeth Winstead. But his fishing days are cut short when he gets tipped off that the bioterrorist was actually an innocent, like, scientist person? And Henry soon becomes suspicious that he's being watched by the organization he used to work for. Sure enough, he's right. And instead of enjoying his sunset years in peace, Henry finds himself chased by a marksman with his exact skill set, but 30 years his junior. In fact, his new foe looks suspiciously like Henry himself. And we all find out what we knew all along, that the government has cloned Big Willie in the attempt to breed the ultimate fighting machine, Old Will Smith versus Young Will Smith, plus Clive Owens, the bad guy. That's why you go see this movie. And I really wanted to because I like Will Smith, but I guess I I didn't like him enough. 
yeah, I saw this movie at the Chinese theater with Nick at two o'clock in the afternoon. And I saw it in uh, 3D, 120 frames per second in the uh, D-Box, which is the thing where your seat moves with the movie. Uh, I've never heard experience. of D-Box. I'm guessing we don't have them here. D-Box is really stupid. It's distracting too. You're just watching a movie and you're like, oh my God, I'm shaking violently right now. This is really weird. Why would anyone enjoy this? But honestly, we were like, if we're going to see Gemini Man, we're going to do it right. So it was very weird watching it again on Hulu where it's just like 24 frames per second. Like that horrible uh, motion smoothing setting that every new smart TV comes with that that you have to fix. for sports mostly, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But every TV is automatically like that now and it's a nightmare because you go over to your your parents' house or whatever, some family member's house and they have it on and and you're like, what's wrong with your TV? And they're like, I didn't even notice. And then you have to fix it for them. And then you're like, how did you not notice that this looks fucking insane right now? But this is a movie where you actually would want that setting on because that's how it's supposed to fucking look, which is like a, yeah. a video game. Gemini Man has a 26%. Ooh, it's that bad. It's that bad. I think it might be the lowest of Ang Lee's career. It has an 83% audience score though. People love it. I guess people liked it. I was kind of surprised. Yeah, I guess because it's kind of a throwback. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is definitely his lowest rated movie. Gemini What's second Man, lowest? Take a guess. I don't know. Billy Lynn. Not- Billy, huh? yeah, I was going to be like, is it Billy yeah. Lynn? And then right above that is Taking Woodstock, a movie I forgot existed. Oh man, uh, Taking Woodstock, what a bad adaptation. That was crazy. I like, I was watching it and I was just like, this is nuts. What happened? Yeah, he's had a weird post-Brokeback career. Yeah. Um, he he did, did, is Lust Caution him? Yeah, the Lust Caution, okay. Taking Woodstock, Life of Pi, which he won Best Director for. He uh, did? Yeah. That was a weird. That was the year that Affleck didn't get nominated for Argo, so it came down to well, do we give it to Ang Lee again or, or Spielberg? And they they gave it to Ang Lee for Life. Okay. So yeah, he is. I think the only director who's won Best Director twice, but not had his movie win Best Picture, which is like the opposite trajectory of every black filmmaker where they don't win director, but their movie wins picture. But Gemini Man is, yeah, like his latest spray into fucking playing around with technology. There's like, I feel like if you, there's guys like him and and James Cameron and Peter Jackson that just like to kind of play around in the sandbox and see what they can do with a studio's dime, which, hey, fuck it, why not? Yeah. But this was both your first times watching this movie? Yeah, it was great. It was a great experience. I uh, went to uh, like a wine bar for a tasting for work. And then I came home slightly tipsy and drank more wine and watched it. And I was so entertained. I think I texted you at some point. I think that Gemini Man is my shooter because it is like a militaristic kind of like propaganda machine. But I'm like, but I'm having fun here. (laughs) I like the star and that's all that really matters. And I love the bad guy. So yeah, I was kind of locked into Gemini Man. (laughs) It's a pretty fucking insane movie. You definitely can tell that this was written in 1997 because it yeah it again just kind of feels like it was a movie that was developed in the 90s and then just got passed through fucking just probably so many screenwriters doing a pass on this it was developed in 1997 do you know who was supposed to direct it oh i think I, it's, it's your boy right it's tony scott it's your boy <laughs> oh my god. god tony would have fucking crushed this that would have um, that would have been fucking awesome but it was a weird thing where like they didn't have the technology for it so they just wanted to have two different actors play the same person that wouldn't and, like, work it wouldn't and especially with the actors. So they had Harrison Ford as the older assassin. And tying back to last week's episode, they had Chris O'Donnell to play young Harrison Ford. What? That makes no sense. What a slap in the face. How would that I, even work? Yeah, they realized You like, need to quickly. realize immediately when yeah. you see the Gemini guy, the Gemini man. Junior. You need to realize immediately what had has happened. Yeah. 
Well, I guess the whole thing was that they were developing it and then they were like, and then Disney was like, because Disney had the rights to it and they were like, no, we won't actually do it with the same actor. Can we do this? And so they tried developing all this new technology for a really long time. They couldn't get it right. And then Tony Scott left the project. Harrison Ford left the project. And then they were trying, they were basically attaching actors and directors for like 20 years and trying to develop the CGI for it, like the proper CGI. So like there was some, I guess in the late nineties, there was a remake of The Incredible Mr. Limpet. I don't know what that is but it's apparently yeah. a movie where they wanted jim carrey to also play a fish what so sure. they wanted the fish to look exactly like jim carrey which when you google oh the, god the art for this movie it's it horrifying the incredible mr limpet l-i-m-p-e-t with jim carrey as a fish it's fucked up <laughs> it's really fucked up looking it's jim carrey's big grinning face on a fish it looks like finding nemo I hate this. but they put jim carrey's face on it oh <laughs> I refuse. It's fucked up. Oh so basically, God. Curtis Hansen came on board, then left, and then Joe Carnahan came on board and made a sizzle reel with Clint Eastwood. Oh. Which I would watch the Joe Carnahan Clint Eastwood. Was there ever a Keanu version? Because I actually think that might be fun. Surprisingly not. There were so many people, but not Keanu. There was a Mel Gibson version. There was a Nicolas Cage version, which would have been fun. There was yeah, a Brad really Pitt fun. version. There was a Arnold Schwarzenegger version, which would have been no. wild. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Connery. wait, I just looked at this fucking fish. Oh my <laughs> God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. If I was a studio spending millions and millions of dollars on this technology and they showed me that, I'd be like, what did you do? What have you done with it? We can't show anyone this. We need to bury it this makes, right away. <laughs> it makes shark tail look nice to look at. It looks honestly. fucked it really up. Does. My favorite version that I still maintain I actually think would be better than this really? is, the, is okay. the Tom Cruise version. I don't know, Max. Oh, I, I think that know. Tom Cruise and Michael Mann directing Are this. you on his payroll? Like, I don't know, dude. I, I fucking wish. <laughs> I, okay, so like Will Smith, Tom Cruise are like obviously two of the biggest stars of all time, especially at that time. So I think they both are great for the same reason mm -hmm. because they're both guys who have tried to maintain their stardom and tried to kind of re not even reinventing themselves, but they've tried to like slightly tweak their model for like 20 plus years, but they haven't yeah. quite ever found a way to fully make it land. So Tom Cruise is just like, well, fuck, I'll do a bunch of Mission Impossible movies because he'll just good. keep doing Mission Impossible. Yeah. yeah. And then Will Smith tries to start a bunch of different franchises they're not quite working they both have periods where they try to do more interesting work like will smith doing ali cruz doing magnolia and eyes wide shut and then they both get denied an oscar and they're like well fuck it i'm just gonna go back to doing what works then but i feel like also like jim carrey they're okay. just guys that didn't i think jim carrey the least successful of the three but have just tried to kind of like maintain that vibe yeah. that they had in the 90s like whereas like, i think we will smith's about, done the best at that I think Will Smith is adapted definitely because the best. he's also I think like Cruz the best. Because Cruz is just like just all just. But people don't like Cruz anymore. Like he, I think he like they as do. A, I don't think they. He's not beloved. Can you name another like Will Smith is like one of the most beloved entertainers of all time for sure. Like absolutely no. Will Smith think, is like known as like a good person, whereas like Tom yeah Cruise, exactly exactly is, is, uh, like I think we all get a kick out of Tom Cruise, but I don't think we like love Tom Cruise. Well, I think okay, and like other reason why I think like Will Smith is like a perfect casting for this movie is because like kind of what you need to bring to it and like why the Harrison Ford one wouldn't really like work for me is that like because we all 
grew up with Fresh Prince, you already have like his imprinted young face in your head. And also like that swagger that he used to have and that bravado that he presents in that as like the funny guy. And I think that like seeing how sad the young Will Smith is, it makes it like even sadder. Like, I don't know. I think, I think that you kind of need him to be, I think it kind of needs to be Will Smith. I think Will Smith is oddly better playing his younger self. Me too. I have that his older self. Yeah, absolutely. He's so good at playing his younger self. It was He's fucking... so much better at that for it, some reason. That's was, what was weird. The hmm. thing about Will Smith is that there, it's so hard for him. So the kind of guy that he is in this, it's like he's killed so many people. He's, he's tired. He hasn't had any like real relationships. He just wants to like fish. And it's like <laughs> Will Smith is a kind of guy who has so much energy that like it's just so hard to he doesn't really sell man i'm tired he has trouble selling that which is funny because if you see him on that red table talk with his wife he looks exhausted that's the kind of shit that exhausts will smith (laughs) (laughs) my wife is cooking me (laughs) that that red table talk (laughs) sounds like the plot of that deep water movie that got shelved and put on like it's just gonna drop on hulu with anna de armas and ben affleck i can't wait for that to come out me either i read that book in preparation i cannot wait to watch this i've never seen a major movie trailer that is just a guy getting jacked off that is the fucking tightest thing I've seen it in is. so long. I, it, that also makes me realize like why Harrison Ford probably was maybe the guy developed for this project. Because Harrison Ford, I buy as a guy who's like, I'm over this. Like, I'm tired. Yeah, yeah. I think it's hard to find an actor that probably would like fish. succeed in both roles. <laughs> and because there is a little bit of like uncanny valley in the younger version like I think maybe it's good that he's like a little bit better in that part how close to this was a Paul Walker deep fake before it was a few years but th- that was just like a shot that was yeah yeah, yeah. yeah this, is, this like, is like a whole ass character movie. this is the same year as the Irishman too oh um, shit well I think this looks better than the Irishman it does well I think the Irishman too it's like you kind of get used to it but it's again it's like I know what Robert De Niro looked like when he was that age so this is weird for me to look at whereas this one it's like hmm. yeah that looks close enough his face is a little wider he's like a little like that was the thing that yeah. was the okay. thing is that his that his cheeks are a little bit fuller because they didn't yeah. know how to make it because his face has like widened out over yeah. time which i didn't even realize well, until a I lot of those guys do yeah because we all know will smith was like a lot more like kind of gangly looking in the he 90s. was gangly yeah yeah he's like a tall skinny guy i do love the all the interviews he's been given lately where he's like talked about like wanting to kill his dad or something oh man yeah this, that shit was dark <laughs> he's like i could have killed him <laughs> <laughs> this is crazy you're like you're trying to win an oscar and he's like talking about like killing his father i was like this is insane <laughs> this man will smith i feel like is one of those guys who has been quiet about his life for so long mm-hmm. that we're just now realizing that we don't know anything about this dude we really don't <laughs> it's a horror movie he we don't is... really know will <laughs> And the more that we get to know Jada, the more that I'm yes. just like, what is going on? With yeah. These you see the kids, two? you're like, this is a wild family, man. Like, yeah. Like, how do you these- feel like Jaden felt about this movie? Because it's like, well, oh man, I didn't even think about that. Well, I yeah, mean, like, just the I two mean, of us or not after, really? After Earth. I, mean, I didn't see after j- Earth. Just the two of us wasn't Jaden, though. Um, Just the two of us was, he has another oh, son. Oh, from a previous marriage that wasn't oh, for Jaden? Oh, yeah. He had, it was 
was an, almost an apology son. for like yeah it was essentially just like his older son who doesn't like being in the spotlight and basically wow. just like yeah he looks like. like doesn't really yeah there's That's fucking just funny. the two of us is really the only like major thing that will smith's other son did that was his handout oh he's really cute I, yeah, I, yeah listen I, I i love will smith i think will smith again like i think he should have won for ollie like i think he's fucking great and like not the best movie but like he's really good randomly and i am legend gives like a really oh, fucking yeah. good performance he, in that that for some reason is one of the like eight to ten movies that my gym just has playing all of legend. the time mm-hmm. <laughs> and whenever it's on i'm always like i'm gonna get you hyped up yeah i'll watch this he's great in enemy of the state oh um, yeah absolutely he's really good in hitch He's great in Hitch. He is great in Hitch. He's really good in Hitch, man. He is good in Pursuit of Happiness. I don't, like, love that movie, but he's I've never seen that movie. He's very good in it. Like, his performance as the younger version of him is so much more interesting. Like, the scene where he goes to Clive Owen. Like, all the scenes with him and Clive Owen are really interesting. Also, I do want to just point out, maybe my brain is broken. Clive Owen's kind of creepy, in this, like in a Clive Owen has a creep. Uh, Clive oh. Owen has always been creepy, man. No, I know, but my note but was he's like disgusting in this. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. But like, kind of almost like I was like, does he want to fuck? What's going on? Oh, you think he wants to fuck? I think he's like in love with him. <laughs> the way that he interacts with Junior, yeah, made it's, me really uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. Like mm-hmm. I was like, it's giving me like pedophile vibes. Where I was Ew. like. I was yeah. like, because, and then, and then you find out that he made more of them. I'm like, he just keeps making him. I don't know if I got that. Henry, I made I ten really... of you so I could fuck you. <laughs> One of them's gonna want to fuck. I know it. <laughs> I really enjoyed his performance, though. There's, like, one moment in the movie where Will Smith, the adult Will Smith, is, like, explaining, like, well, why don't, like, if you're going to do this, like, why not just make make a big army out of them? Because there's that that chase scene where there's, like, another Gemini man in a black mask. And you kind of know that it's also going to be Will Smith, but never feels satisfying enough. And you realize that, like, even though he's dying, he doesn't feel pain. And Will Smith is like, well, why don't you just make a whole army of them then? And Clive Owen has the best line delivery. He's like, I know, why not? Like, it's like he truly. That's just a great like, idea. <laughs> like, that's when I was like, oh, I, I like. No, there's this an interesting movie. like, yeah, this idea of like, no, well, what if we just basically use like robots or like clones of real mm-hmm. of humans to fight our wars? Which because is because then like, like, yeah, like real not- people wouldn't. I'm like, that sounds like something that they would come up with. That sounds not too far off, actually. Yeah. (laughs) Their relationship is very strange. And yeah, I just had a whole note about like, what happened to Clive Owen, man? Um, Clive Owen goes from like leading man, Oscar nominee for Closer. He does Children of Men, another, and then a Denzel movie. He's good in in, uh, Inside Man. Um, Oh, he's really good in Inside Man. Yeah, he does Sin City. Shoot him up, which I've never. No, I have seen Shoot Him Up actually. I don't. I don't know. Um, And then Duplicity, which I never saw with him and Julia Roberts. My mom loves that movie. He's fucking great on the Nick. I was gonna say, didn't he do fucking, like a TV thing? Yeah, I was gonna say I totally forgot about the Nick. He's oh yeah, that's him great. and like Andre Holland, right? Yeah, he's so good on the the Nick rules and he's so good on it. Then he doesn't really do much. He's doing like a lot of straight to DVD action movies. Did anyone watch Impeachment where he plays Bill Clinton? No, but I kind of think that's good casting. I saw one scene of him and like he he Kind of looks like him. He kind of sounds like him. He gets yeah, it down. Yeah, I don't know. And he's like, and again, he's like, he's creepy. There's something like slimy about him. Yeah, it's like he should have had the Colin Farrell Jude Law trajectory of like, no, you're he's weak. not fun like, enough. You're a scumbag, so we need you to be a scumbag. But he was like, no, I'm gonna keep. I don't um, think he's funny either. Like, I think he's like missing. Uh, like a component. Right. 
Like, I think yeah, that, like, Dubot so. is funny. I think that Colin Farrell is hilarious. I think that Clive Owen's not funny. And so, like, once he sort of lost, like, the power of youth, I think that he's just kind of receded. Right. No, I guess that's true. I guess the Nick is probably the best use of him, where it's kind of a character-y role, but it's a leading man performance yeah. or whatever. Yeah, but anyway, I just had a note that, yeah, the scenes with them are kind of creepy. My note was, he want to fuck, question mark, question mark, question mark. Because uh, <laughs> I did not know. <laughs> I, and also, like, the scene at the end where, like, Junior is, like, confronting him on the roof top and then Clive Owen like gets the upper hand it almost like felt like he was going to start like spanking him or something every single time he what says I'm your father I yeah, he's like you like, disobeyed I, me <laughs> I'm your father it's just it's so weird and it's partially because he's white it's yeah. partially because he's a clo- it's just like this weird white man is saying I'm your dad and the, the look on young Will Smith's face is like dude who are you like what's going you. on <laughs> <laughs> like he needs he he needs an adult, like another adult. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. He basically, he cloned this guy and then <laughs> kept his clone son a secret and then turned him into a fucking assassin, just like his dad. And then just like dispatches him to kill his Well, we also clone. should talk about the reason why he did it is not just because, and like, this is part of the movie that I think is interesting. He does it not just because like Will Smith is a really talented sniper or assassin or whatever. He does it because he feels like what has held Will Smith's care- Henry back from being like even better is because he has trauma. And that trauma actually feels like, because like his parents were abusive or his father was abusive. And so Clive Owen, it almost is suggesting that like Clive Owen doesn't care about this child that right. he raised him with like you know that you know that like scientific test from like the 70s where they took baby monkeys and they had them have like a robot monkey mom and those monkeys died anyway because yeah. like they didn't get like affection it feels like that like Clive Owen is a robot monkey mom and I think he's just performing <laughs> affection and he's right. giving this person like a heavy air quote like more privileged life but like what this character has like not considered at all is like how disorienting it can be to like be raised by like a white person when you are not and then just also like that there's like this artificial aspect to like what he considers to be like a caring upbringing right. yeah, yeah and I was like this is fucking wild and also it's stupid because I'm sorry like probably partially what makes Will like the real Will Smith's character motivated is because of like that trauma too it's like Clive Owen's character is really weird is all I'm saying and I was into it <laughs> no 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 I was into it too I just was like oh I'm getting serious fuck vibes on this viewing and I didn't I, before but hey again my brain is broken. I, I right, 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 right. Um, but <laughs> and then Angli's career trajectory. I mean, I haven't Has seen he done anything since. No, this was his last movie. I haven't seen some of his early '90s movies. I haven't seen Eat, Drink, Man, Woman. I haven't seen. Oh, some, I've seen Sense and Sensibility. I, um, Sense and Sensibility is probably the only one I love. I think it's really Sense good. and sensibility. Yeah. That you like shit, it too? That shit goes hard. Um, I actually really like Lust Caution. I think that, I that like shit Lust goes Caution. hard. I used to love the Ice Storm. I haven't seen it in a long time. Oh, uh, the Ice yeah, Storm? Ice that's really great shit. Very yeah. good shit. I also, storm. yeah, I wanted to rewatch a bunch of stuff because I was like, I haven't even seen Brokeback Mountain since it came out. Like, I'm sure I would have a much different perspective on it now than I did when I was, you know, fucking 17. It's really good. I'm never going to watch it again, but it's good. Yeah. Yeah, it's like not a movie that you're like excited to watch again but i'm like curious to see it now i'd also rewatch his hulk because i remember liking his hulk movie when i saw it i forgot that he did hulk yeah you know what i've never seen i've never seen crouching i've never seen crouching tiger oh i like that i've never seen crouching tiger hidden dragon that's been a blind spot for me so Um, i think the deep fake is mostly pretty good looking i think it looks pretty solid no yeah it's not like distracting like there's a 
Yeah, like his face is. There's a couple moments where I'm like, "Whoa!" No, I I think that stuff all works. I think it's like I don't like movies that are shot like this, but like, what do you mean? Well, because you watch it at home, so like he shot in 120 frames per second, so it looks fucking crazy when you see it in the theater, especially in like 3D. So like, it's like things that I personally like don't like. Like, I don't like 3D. I don't like 120 frames per second. None of that shit really does anything for me. But like, I was like, well, fuck it. Like, if that's how he wants it to be seen, then like I'll see it that way. Also, most theaters couldn't even show this movie the way it was intended to be seen when it came out, and he was like upset about that because he was like, well, you told me we were going to be able to show this in a bunch of theaters, but like most theaters in the world were not capable of showing a movie like this. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. I remember that being an issue. And I just was just like, I don't know how I'm going to fucking watch this then. <laughs> yeah, because it is kind of like like the bike chase, which I think fucking rules. Like, I think the bike yeah. chase is great. But like seeing that, yeah, in like 3D and 120 frames per second, I was like, this is crazy. <laughs> this, is, right. this is really fun and ridiculous. I, I, I think that's my favorite scene. I do like, because it is a throwback also in the way that it just shoehorns a romance in with someone that he doesn't have any chemistry with? No. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, it's like old movies. And yeah. we're just like, well, can we talk about that? Yeah, Mary yes, Elizabeth Winstead is wild to me. I personally, listen, it's not that I was trying to be fair, but it's like she and Brie Larson are the exact kind of actress, the exact same kind of actress. The thing is, is that she is better than Brie Larson, but that does not make her good. Yeah. Mary Elizabeth Winstead has not ever really gotten the Brie Larson part because Mary Elizabeth Winstead kind of just did a lot of horror movies in the 2000s. Yeah, I was she's like 3. kind of a scream queen. Yeah. yeah. And she Probably my favorite movie is the Cloverfield one of, that she's done. Oh, yeah. 10, ten Cloverfield Lane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mary Elizabeth Winstead is interesting because like I feel like people started talking about her around the time that she did Faults, the movie that she made with her ex-husband right. who she left for Ewan McGregor. Yeah, they both left people right for one another yeah. no yeah, well, they, oh you and McGregor yeah yeah, yeah. And she McGregor, left him <laughs> she left the director Riley Stearns Ewan McGregor left his wife they met on like Fargo and they yeah. fell in love and they got together so yeah that whole thing and she's ever since then she's like a bigger deal but it's hard to really know like well, yeah because she's been around for so long but it's like nobody quite knows what to do with her they're just like yeah you're a brunette like you're pretty you're pretty talented like but you're not like amazing so it's just like like, what do we do with you? Yeah. So she just takes parts like this, which apparently she won over Tatiana Maslany, who's a much better Oh, well, actress. she's a better, I mean, she's incredible. Mary Elizabeth Winsett's good in a movie called Smashed that nobody saw in like 10 years. It was like oh, a Sundance yeah, that's, movie. That's that's the one with um Aaron Paul where they're both like alcoholics. Yeah, yeah. she's good. In, she's, she's good in that. That's the only time I've really seen her get an opportunity to act though. Everything else is like shit like this. I thought that she was fun in Birds of Prey, but everybody else and Birds of Prey is better than her. That's <laughs> another yeah. movie, movie, right? Yeah. You yeah. and McGregor's great in Birds of Prey. <laughs> There's no chemistry. There's no. <laughs> and usually I think Will Smith can sort of like pull chemistry out of his butt because he's just so charismatic. And I my my favorite scene because it just made me like cackle laugh is the last scene where now juniors yeah, in that college seems crazy. and now they're just like it's like he's a parent to his clone. That yes. is 
fucking so it's a really crazy ending <laughs> hilarious to me that i just was like this is this is great going, i love it that was crazy because will smith is oddly flat as like will smith in this like as the older mm-hmm. will smith he's kind of not given off that that charisma that he needs to well the last scene he's able to do it a little bit yeah because it almost seems like angley was probably just like oh just riff a little bit like i don't know do something yeah because i think that we're supposed to think that his character is like been so just like taken down by killing <laughs> that like there's something like subdued about him and like the young yeah. one has a chance yeah. even though like that's not an easy life to be like i'm just a fucking clone but yeah him with mary elizabeth winstead is so it's such a strange thing it's not just strange that she's white although i will say that like every single time will smith has ever been partnered with a white woman like and there hasn't been many there's like focus in this it's, i usually i mean there's like the the hollywood thing where a lot of the time big like bankable black male actors don't really get paired with black women because black women tend to not get those big roles and so it's usually a Latina woman. Eva Mendez <laughs> and Denzel. Yeah, and um, Will Smith was with Eva Mendez and Hitch. Right? Oh my god! Yeah, they're great together. Yeah, everybody's gotta call Eva Mendez. Well, I guess not now. She's just like with Ryan Gosling and doing perfectly fine. With That's what I would be doing too, honestly. Her being a white woman just seems so pointless, also- especially because the movie has so many white people in it already. <laughs> She also and just doesn't even need to be in this movie. No. There's really no like, need for her character. She is, She's literally there, I think, just to be like, you're going to be a woman who's also a love interest, kind of, maybe, but you also but work if, for this But agency. if you're going to do that, then why can't it just be... I kept on thinking, why couldn't it be Halle Berry? What was Halle Berry doing? Like, Moonfall. Getting paid for Every time she shows up in Moonfall, I was like, why did you do this? You did not. Because she's, the, because she's the star, right? And uh, Patrick was- Wilson's kind of the star. You know, I don't know. I, I don't really know. I don't have an opinion either way. Mary Elizabeth Winston in this she just kind of is I don't blame her I'm just like yeah you're just here it's definitely the kind of role like you would just give somebody in the 90s like like give like Julia Roberts or like Sandra Bullock it's yeah like here you're not starring anything this year like but people still want to see you here you go <laughs> Want some money? Junior's able to shake off this trauma and become <laughs> like a very popular high uh, college freshman really quickly. Yeah. Like he's like popular and shit. I don't know. Like, do you think he has to, I get that sometimes you're, you can look a lot like one of your parents, but do you ever look exactly like one of your parents? You know, I'm just like, is this? No, it's funny that when he, Clive Owen asked him, he's like, did you get a good look at his face? And he's like, kind of, yeah. He like doesn't even think anything of it. He's just like, yeah, I saw him in a mirror. And it's like, no, you ran a motorcycle at him. You were very close to him. <laughs> you, you saw him yeah. very close. You literally <laughs> rammed him with a motorcycle like 10 times. <laughs> Mary Elizabeth's character too is like, um, do you have any kids I wouldn't know about? And Will Smith, the real Will Smith answer is really weird. Like he like knows it definitively. It's like, I could, no, he says like, no, I haven't had any long-term partners. And it's like, you don't Yeah, that's, that doesn't answer walk. the question. What a weird answer to that. Because he's a virgin. This is a, this is a man who does not fuck. No, he, he doesn't. Really does. Well, the 23-year-old doesn't fuck. Or something. The 23-year-old, he tells him when he's telling him, I know everything about you. He's like, I know that you hate the taste of cilantro and I also know you're a virgin. And that he slips that one oh, in yeah. and I was like, this guy's he, a virgin? <laughs> 
<laughs> he doesn't like this movie has a very loose grasp on cloning too because it's like he could not be a virgin right <laughs> he thinks he's a virgin he because i guess because he was a virgin at 23 apparently yeah like he thinks that you just copy and paste but it's like he no. should have answered that he should be like no I, I, i've had sex and he's like no you haven't yeah you it's have like not. it's like yeah his character kind of doesn't get it you don't like pussy i'm telling you this right now you don't like cilantro or pussy i promise you oh and even this so i looked it up afterwards even like the um allergic to bees is also that's like nurture and nature like it doesn't mean that like the other kid would have been too and will smith's character really genuinely seems to not understand the concept of that like they could be different you don't know shit kid i know you inside out and backwards you're allergic to bees you hate cilantro you always sneeze four times everybody hates cilantro you're meticulous thorough disciplined Relentless. You love puzzles. You're a chess player, right? Good, too, I bet. But you suffer from insomnia. Your mind never lets you sleep. And even when it does, it attacks you with nightmares. I'm talking about those three o'clock in the morning, somebody please save me kind of nightmares. Thomas Floyd of the Washington Post said the script screams of a thinly written 90s era narrative reanimated for audiences who now expect more depth from their action movies. The final product is less a technical marvel than an ambitious experiment gone wrong. Sam Adams of Slade said Smith, to his credit, comes closest to selling the screenplay's grandiose nonsense. That is, after all, a movie star's job, and the movie works best to the extent it works at all as a reflection on his 30-year career. Uh, Gary Thompson of the Philadelphia Inquirer said, if I want to know what Will Smith looked like in his 20s, I can always return happily to Men in Black. I mean, that's not the, yeah. No, I know. Who's the MVP of Gemini, man? Clive Owen. Wow. I just like, there was a couple line deliveries where I was like, I was really, <laughs> Clive Owen slash Will Smith when he's being young. Right, yeah. But like he's also the least valuable player when he's like. Kind of flat. Yeah. yeah. I might say it's just ugly for just fucking embracing the. For going for it. Yeah, That's, fuck it. I mean, he, you know, he embraced some crazy technology that they tried to make Jim Carrey into a fish and he made this. How far we've we come. That's <laughs> true. If you, the audience, wants to stream either of these movies, Roman J. Israel is available to rent on your usual like streaming apps and Gemini Man is currently streaming on fucking Hulu. Have fun with that. And if you want to watch along with us next week, we'll be discussing two Jane Campion films from the 90s. Oh, you're doing Portrait of a Lady and Holy Smoke? Yes, mm-hmm. the portrait of a lady. Oh, man. Yeah. I have not seen either one of them. I'm excited. Um, I love portrait of a lady. They just put it back on Amazon Prime so you can watch it there. And holy smoke, I actually just found a cheap DVD copy of because I was like, fuck it, I'll just get it. In starring Kate Winslet and Harvey Keitel. Uh, but you can rent it on iTunes if you'd like to watch. Can't wait to hear what you guys think of those two movies. Okay. I'm, yeah, I'm really stoked. You know what I've never seen is the fucking piano. And I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it. I know, I know. I you know. need that Kaitel booty. Jordan, tell people where they can find you because they should find you if they have uh, you can You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Judy Squirrels. You can find my writing on Hollywood Reporter, Bitch Media, OK Player, all over the internet. 
And yes. you can listen to my podcast, Bad Romance. You sure can. It's a fun time. And if you love In the Cut as much as all of us, you should definitely check out. Well, if you haven't listened to our episode of it, you should definitely do that. Yeah. Uh, or also listen to Jordana Blank Check. It's a great, very long, in-depth discussion of probably just our favorite misunderstood masterpiece on this podcast. Yeah. For you, the listeners, please follow us also on Instagram and Spotify and Overcast. Anywhere that you get podcasts, please rate and review us on Apple, especially if you want to give us five stars. And you can even call me a rude bitch. <laughs> if you want to uh, send us a hateful DM on Instagram, you can. I will check them. Call me whatever you'd like. Little-